0: One day, in 1989, Ken Stewart was playing a game of paddleball at a sports facility in Nashville when he saw something that would change his life. He looked over at the pool, and he saw a man coming out of the water with a tank on his back. He was taking scuba diving lessons. Because they were in Nashville, there wasn't really an ocean option. And then what right behind him, coming out of the water, was an
1: instructor. Who was a black instructor. Oh, man. That kind of just, just set the
0: tone for me. Next man, can I do this? Ken was 45 at the time. He's 79 years old now. He's always been an active guy, plays all kinds of sports, but scuba diving was something that had just never really occurred to him. After that day at the sports complex, Ken was hooked. I mean, I thought, well, I just, I just went crazy. And then, one day in 2002, Ken got a phone call. A documentary filmmaker was on the line, and she wanted to interview black divers about a particular shipwreck. But it wasn't a shipwreck full of lost treasure. This was a slave ship. It was a ship that crashed off the coast of Florida two centuries ago, killing dozens of people. The ship was called the Guerrero. And for the most part, it's a piece of forgotten history. The Guerrero is not taught in schools, nor is it a story that's in the ether and passed down through communities. Most people have never even heard of it, Ken included. To be honest with you, I was not a, a history kind of book, never. But the story of the Guerrero struck a chord with him. Later, Ken would sit down at his computer and write an email to some of his friends in the black diving community.
1: And I said, retire the same old diving, that dive with a purpose. And that's exactly how it started.
0: I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we follow Ken deep into the ocean as he sets out to link his newfound love of diving with this forgotten story of the Guerrero. And not only that, he wants to find the ship. More after this. Last time, I took
2: a road trip. How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. In 1827, the Guerrero was lurking in the Straits of Florida, between the Keys and Cuba. It was carrying 561 enslaved Africans. Although chattel slavery was still legal in the United States at this time, the actual act of buying and selling human beings, the slave trade, had been outlawed. And to intercept illegal slave ships, Britain sent warships to patrol these waters. And one of these warships was the HMS Nimble. One night, under a new moon, The Nimble spotted the Guerrero and they took chase.
2: The chase took place for a long time through a lot of waters and a storm ensued and the waters got rough. These are very, very treacherous waters with near-shore and offshore reefs.
0: This is Karuna Eberl. She's the documentary maker who originally told Ken Stewart about the Guerrero. She's been writing about the ship for 10 years now. Eventually, the Guerrero slowed to a stop and the Nimble approached.
2: And then the Guerrero hoisted up their sails and kept going, and and the British had to try to catch up to them. And both ships were very fast ships. The Guerrero had a copper-plated hull, and it was one of the fastest ships of its time. But the Nimble actually was also a former slave ship. And so it was also built for speed. So it was able to catch up to the Guerrero. For hours,
0: the Nimble chased the Guerrero across the ocean. Day turned to night, and a storm pelted both ships. And then, with a terrible crash the Guerrero ripped through a coral reef.
2: They hit with such force that the main mast ripped through the whole hold and broke and fell over. It's not deep waters here, so the Guerrero never sunk like a stone into the ocean or like the Titanic. Much of it was still above water, but it had tilted on its side and people were hanging off the mast.
0: The Nimble was about two miles away from the Guerrero when it crashed. And it sounds impossible, but in a survivor's diary entry, he wrote that even from that distance, they could hear the screams of the people aboard the Guerrero. 41 people trapped in shackles drowned in that wreck. The vast majority wound up back in the vicious churn of the slave trade. And as for the Guerrero itself, the tides slowly washed away the ship piece by piece. nearly 200 years after the wreck of the Guerrero, Ken Stewart was getting really into his new hobby. He'd graduated from the pool and begun going on these ocean dives. But at the start, it was really lonely for him. I'd be the only black diver on the boat.
1: And then, you know, in diving, you, you never dive alone. You're
0: supposed to have a buddy. And i got on a boat and nobody would buddy up with me. They wouldn't. Eventually, Ken found a group, the National Association of Black Scuba Divers. Finally, here were his people. And he went on dozens of diving trips with the group. They all got pretty tight. And it was on one of these dives in 2003 when Ken's work on the Guerrero would deepen. On a dive in Biscayne National Park in Florida, Ken met a marine archaeologist named Brenda Lazendorf. Brenda was working on cataloging all of the shipwrecks in the park. By some estimates, there were likely more than 100 of them but there was one that Brenda was most determined to find. He said to me, oh, I know what a Guerrero is. And I said, you do. Until this point, the Guerrero had been kind of abstract for Ken. But suddenly, now, it was potentially right there, right under the surface. So the last thing he said, yeah, you know, I can't dive below, and I'm looking for some help. Brenda told Ken that if he and his group of diving buddies could get trained up in underwater archaeology she would take them down to the site of the Guerrero. So that's when Ken sat down and wrote that email to some of his friends from the National Association of Black Scuba Divers. And I
1: could they the same old diving, they dive with a purpose. And that's exactly how it started.
0: Soon after, Ken made the organization official. They would be called Diving with a Purpose, or DWP. And the organization provides education and training programs, and the members go on dives that focus on sites significant to the African diaspora, like the Down Tuskegee Airmen Plane in Lake Huron. And for Ken, a key part of this organization was getting youth involved. Eventually, he even started a youth chapter of DWP, teaching students simultaneously about diving and about the histories they were diving to was important to him. Ken and DWP began making regular trips down to Florida and learning marine archaeology from Brenda. But if hunting for a shipwreck sounds like all excitement and glamour, think again.
2: I love what the archaeologists at Biscayne once said, you know, it's not like Scooby-Doo where you have like this pirate ship with tattered sails underwater, you know, just sitting there.
0: Karuna Eberl again the documentary maker and writer. She's also a scuba diver.
2: It's really difficult to find things underwater just in general. They say you miss it by an inch, you miss it by a mile. And it's very slow going to explore underwater. You just can't see as well, you can't cover as much area.
0: When you set out to look for a shipwreck, you start by doing very, very slow above-water sonar scans to find debris. You can also use magnetometers to find pieces of metal. When those detectors go off, you might send divers down to pinpoint the exact location. But then you might discover that the object in question is buried under a bunch of coral or sediment and you can't actually see it.
2: Also, in this area where the Guerrero sank, there's, you know, hundreds of years of hit shipwrecks, some on top of it from the 1800s and the 1900s. And, and then once you find stuff, it's still tedious. You know, it's exciting because you found something, but then you still have to, you know, decide if it's something that you should bring up or leave down there in situ. And then if you bring it up, you have to preserve it in tanks. It is incredibly tedious, incredibly tedious work.
0: And with the Guerrero, there's an extra challenge. Usually, the most surefire way to determine which ship you're looking at is to find the ship's bell, which has its name on it. But remember, the Guerrero was an illegal slave ship, so it operated secretly. Operators would not have put their name on a bell. Instead, Ken and his crew would have to find a cannonball, shackles, or some other artifact that matched the time period. More and more people joined Diving with a Purpose. They returned to Florida again and again, studying the underwater archaeology, continuing the search, and just talking about the history. On these trips, Ken and Brenda got to know each other pretty well. Like Ken, Brenda had also come to diving a little later in life. She enrolled in an underwater archaeology doctoral program at the age of 35, after years of working as a flight attendant. And the two became good friends. After a long day of diving, Ken would go back to Brenda's house they would continue their work into the evening mapping out sites on her big drafting table having a little bit of wine but on one of Ken's visits something fell off so in 2008 we're on the boat his coffee. and
1: she's coughing I tell you you, know, he, you know, need to go out that trip out you know cuz you need a good car so that that was in April in October she calls me she said I I just came to the doctor, and I had stayed for another case.
0: Some months later, Ken and DWP headed back down to Florida for another dive. But things were different. Brenda was in the hospital. She couldn't join them. Plus, the weather was not cooperating. And for the first time in all the years they'd been diving for the Guerrero, Ken had to cancel the dive. Trying to salvage the situation— He remembered that old documentary that Karuna had made about the Guerrero. He suggested that maybe they could do a screening of it at a local theater. And it finished up about 11 o'clock. 11.15 I get the call that she passed. So, um, needless to say, it was a heavy day. For Ken, the loss was doubly compounded. He'd lost a dear friend, and he'd also lost his guide to the Guerrero. In all their dives together, Ken had never asked Brenda to tell him the specific location of the wreck.
1: No, I could never
0: bring myself to ask, and I I didn't. So if she knew where it was, she took it to the grave. I should say, we don't know for sure whether Brenda really did know the specific location of the Guerrero. After years of research, she was sure that the ship was within the bounds of Biscayne National Park. But she wouldn't be any more specific than that because she was wary of scavengers and treasure hunters poaching the waters. To this day, the Guerrero still has not been found. But the search continues. In the summer of 2023, Ken and DWP went on another dive. This time, they brought 12 high school and college-age students with them, and they dove for three days. But in the end, they didn't turn up anything. Even if the Guerrero is never found, if it remains at the bottom of the ocean forever— Ken and DWP are still fighting to resurrect its story. The Guerrero is one of many, many ships that made this brutal voyage from Africa to the Americas. It is one small piece of the painful history that shaped nearly every aspect of American society.
2: The Guerrero is a microcosm of the entire Middle Passage, in a way. The magnitude of the millions of people that were stolen from Africa. And it happened for 400 years, right? So this is really difficult to wrap your head around, like the magnitude of the suffering and the consequences of this whole period in our history. But if you can take something tangible like the Guerrero, one story, you can, you can distill down all of that into something that can, we can kind of relate to. I don't think that the ship ever needs to be found for it to have a big impact. Just the fact that it did exist and we know about it. And Ken has gotten so many young people knowing the story, knowing the history, learning about their history and their ancestors and the significance. That's really what the Guerrero stands for.
0: One detail that makes the story of the Guerrero particularly relevant is that it happens to be taking place in Florida, where politicians have actively crusaded against teaching parts of Black history. In 2022, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed legislation called the Stop Woke Act, which, among other things, bars certain discussions about race in schools and workplaces And promotes an idea that no one should feel guilty for past actions committed by others of the same race. You know, that old
1: adage, one person said, "Uh, History is taught by the winners. I didn't know what that meant, right then and there. But as I look around and I see people, even to this day, trying to control the narrative on history, right, it points to the winners. In Florida, right, the governor of Florida says, you can't teach that, you can't teach this. Right. So he is the winner, and he's telling us what we cannot learn.
0: But in bringing in the young divers on his search for the Guerrero, in telling them it's history, Ken is taking on the role of teacher. I've been working with young people just about all my life. And so I just thought this would be another step and so I'm on this boat, and
1: I, I have I have to chip into my ancestors at, at the bottom of the ocean, telling me what to do.
0: This episode was produced by
2: Johanna Mayer.
0: Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka,
2: Camille Stanley,
0: Manolo Morales, Baudelaire,
2: Gabby Gladney, Amanda McGowan.
0: Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Selling
1: smoothies is what I do. But for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too. So he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.